ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930%. The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Thursday, July 16th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone line. You do that by dialing up 877-420-TALK. That's 877-420-8255. That way you don't have to sit there and go, T-A-L-K. Oh, by the way, uh, Miller Lite, whole true, great taste. Only uh, 96 calories, the original light beer. 96 calories, that's it. It's the original, right? It's, it is. It's it's the the king of light beers. That's not their marketing slogan, but it's not their marketing slogan. But I said it. Hey, we got a lot to get into today. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I do appreciate it. Uh, first things first, uh, I don't know if this means anything, but I'll tell it to you anyway. Uh, Conference USA's virtual football media days have been postponed indefinitely. We'll find out more later as um, social media is where this information was first relayed this afternoon. I don't know what that means other than they're not going to have it right away. Does that mean they need more time that a forthcoming announcement will come or if they're biding their time waiting to see what the landscape looks like? Or maybe they just decided we don't really have anything right now. We're going to wait a few weeks to do this thing. That could be all that means. So it can mean much of nothing. It can mean a lot. It could be somewhere in the middle. But Conference USA's virtual football media days postponed indefinitely. And you're seeing that more and more, a lot of things becoming more postponed. Now, the big thing we probably want to talk about first, and we're going to get into all of the COVID-19 standards and protocols that the NCAA has come out with, that the Power Five conferences have come out with. We're going to get into all of that. The NFL's got something uh, we're finding out as well. So we'll talk all about that in the show. But I do want to read to you yesterday, Isaiah Green, Marshall University's quarterback for a couple of seasons. It was announced that he has entered the transfer portal. Basically, that means he's no longer on the squad. Because once you're in that, it's not, hey, I'm going to check this thing out, see how it goes. It's you commit, you're out, you're you're done. You're off the roster, scholarships out, no longer. You are, you're not on the team. And, of course, I mean, you can be still enrolled in the school, but once you're done, once you're done, you're done. There's no take – I can take that back. No. It's not like – going to the NBA, getting a feeling for what it's going to be like, and then coming back. It's not like what John Elmore did. It's completely different. So Isaiah Green, now no longer part of the Marshall family, herd family, not on the team. That means Marshall's not going to comment any further because he's not a player on the roster anymore. So Marshall will not comment. And that's a good policy, of course, because – I mean, anything he does after this is on him. Now, he did release a message today on his social media platforms, including Instagram and Twitter, Facebook as well. So his platforms, he took an opportunity for those who follow him to express himself. And here's what he said for those of you maybe not on social media. And um, I found out that there are a lot of people who listen to the show not doing social media. As an aside to this, 
Uh, I spoke with a gentleman for about 10 minutes, called me up today uh, in the office, and I had a great sh- conversation with him about a few things. He's not on social media. doesn't do it. Um, you know what? <laughs> More power to you, sir. Bless you. More power to you. I, I wish I could disconnect from it at times, and uh, he's not even fooling with it. So for those of you maybe not on social media or not following Isaiah Green, here's what he released. It's a, It's basically... Since social media platforms don't allow you on certain platforms enough characters, he released a photo of himself, and he starts out by saying to Herd Nation, I would like to start off by saying I would have loved nothing more than to stay here and ball out with my brothers and continue trying to bring a championship back to Huntington. And I know my brothers would have loved the same thing. Football has... And I apologize because he wrote this, or whoever put this together, he wrote this uh, white text on a very busy background, so I'm going to have a little difficulty reading it. But I do believe it reads, Football has molded me, but I will not let it take away from my character. I will rise above the minor conflicts to see the bigger picture, and above all else, God will remain in control. As my time Comes to an end here at Marshall University. I would like to thank my fans for being so supportive and showing an abundance of love and acceptance. Through all the dark valleys, this has been a nice shed of light, and I'm excited to see where this journey takes me. To my teammates, this seems surreal. I know it all happened so fast, but I love y'all boys like brothers, and I'm so proud of the work you put in every day. I won't forget the conversations and many hours of work we put in together. I look forward to the success that you will have as individuals. Don't lose yourself in this program. Always remember, there are people who will do right by you, respect y'all as men, and care about what you go through outside of football. Find your passions and give it your all. I ask for prayers love, and privacy at this time. To all of you that have shown me love, it will never be forgotten. Thank you for the imprint you have left in my heart. May God bless you all. All love, Isaiah Green, IG17. So that's a statement that he released on social media earlier this afternoon. And again, Marshall, no further comment for Isaiah Green because he has left the program, and Marshall will not release anything else. I know there's a lot of rumor and speculation how this happened, what caused this. And honestly, I'm going to be in that camp that says, yeah, I know a few things, but I don't know a few things. Because I didn't see what happened. I wasn't there. I wasn't at the moment that I saw on, on social media rumored to have happened or I didn't witness any of that, so I'm not going to comment on that. There, there are rumors. There are things that are on social media. I'm going to leave that to, to social media. I'm going to leave that to message boards. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, I'm not oblivious to it. I'm not ignorant to it. I, I know what has been said, and I, I've had conversations outside of things I've seen on social media. And I'm be honest with you, I'm going to leave it all there on social media. And uh, that's uh, Isaiah Green uh, releasing a statement today on his social media accounts uh, for uh, 
for all you Herd fans who um, want to keep up with him. Of course, you can follow him on social media and see where his journey takes him. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm at Paul Swan, and I promise you uh, I'm not going to release any statement on uh, background that you can't read. That's the only thing I'm going to say. Look, I love Isaiah. I've had some great conversations with Isaiah. Um, I would have gladly done this in Photoshop for him. That's all I'm going to say. That's the only comment I'm going to have on this. I would have gladly done this for him. I, I seriously, I, I, I mean, we could have put something together nice for him. I really would have done this for him because I was struggling there. The only reason I was able to get through this because I read this three or four times before before I went on the air, and I still struggled a little bit with it. But uh, Isaiah Green uh, no longer with the Thundering Herd. So uh, what's that mean for the quarterback battle? I don't know because I don't know if we're going to have a football season. We'll get into all of that. We have got lots to talk about. And we'll take your phone calls, 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. And when we come back from break, we'll break it all down. Later on the show, uh, we're going to come to terms with our intern, Spencer Dupuy, because I got a text at almost 3 a.m. from him this morning. We're going to come to terms with that. 3 a.m., sir. You think I was up? We'll talk about that later on as well. Coming up, it's The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Never miss a moment of The Drive with Paul Swan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in. We're trying to figure out what's going to happen here with the college football season. I still don't know what's going on with the NFL. The NFL got their own thing going on. College football, everybody's got their own thing going on in college football. We finally have at least the NCAA being being in this thing as we try to figure out what is going to happen with college football, if it's going to be played. And the NCAA comes out – and. Uh, Here's the gist of this, because it's pretty long, but it comes down to this. There's a testing protocol in place, or at least their are guidelines. How they're going to enforce this, I don't know, because the Power Five, they have their own thing. But the NCAA coming out, these are recommendations, so they're not mandates. Um, these are guidelines, recommendations. So if football's played, a player that test positive for coronavirus must isolate for 10 days. 10 days if he has no symptoms, while those who have symptoms must be symptom-free for at least 72 hours. And any person who is in contact with the player who tested positive must quarantine for 14 days. Also, there's a 72-hour window between test and result. Basically, you better get those tests back within 72 hours of each game. And my question right off the bat is, once you test, do you lock that player down? Is there a a mini-quarantine between test and test result? How does that work? Again, these are, these are simple guidelines. But can you imagine a player comes up with a positive test and then anyone that was in contact with that player 
They go on a 14-day quarantine. They're 14 days. You're taking out an entire football team. If one or two players get sick or come down with the coronavirus, COVID-19, if one or two players test positive and then you start counting all the interactions they had with other members of the team and there's a high probability that they're going to be interacting with several members of that team, I mean, you could take out a football team with these guidelines. And maybe that's the point. Maybe the, the point of the guidelines is you're going to be taking out a big chunk of, of a football team if they have a positive test or two. Can you imagine what if before the Rice game, say we're going to play this, before the Rice game, Marshall has three or four tests come back positive, and then that means those players will have to contact Trace, and that means the players on the football team will have to go into isolation or quarantine, and that means you could lose Rice and the Western Kentucky game. You lose like a couple of weeks of the schedule right there. And then let's just say, okay, someone on the FAU squad tests positive, and then that means a lot of players have probable contact, and it goes the other way around as well. You're losing a lot of players. You're losing a football team because of these regulations because we are testing the players. We're not addressing the main issue here is right now there's a pandemic going on, and you're trying to figure out how can you play football in the middle of a pandemic. And I don't know if this is the right answer. Now, the Power Five conferences have released their guidelines as well, but we've got some news that is breaking. Uh, the Mid-American Conference, the Mid-American Conference suspends the start of fall Olympic sports. Now, there's a difference here. We're not talking football. We're talking Olympic sports, and, and I am getting this as you are hearing it. So um, here we go. The Mid-American Conference announced that with all due caution for the health and well-being of the student-athletes, coaches, and others involved, it will postpone the start of field hockey, men's soccer, women's soccer, women's volleyball, and men's and women's cross-country competition until September 3rd. The decision will provide additional time to prepare for the safe return to competition on an adjusted timeline. The decision applies to exhibition and non-conference games and will align with the start of football season, allowing all fall competition to begin at the same time. MAC institutions will continue to follow the guidance of the conference's COVID-19 Medical Advisory Panel, Council of Presidents, and the NCAA's Resocialization and College Sports Guidelines as student-athletes prepare to engage in preseason training for a return to competition. Rescheduling of non-conference contests impacted by the postponed start of the fall season will be determined by each member institution. We'll find out more from them. The, um, the release says that more information will be coming. So the Mid-American Conference, Olympic sports first. You know why? Because it's easier to do that. Because you can push back the start line there and still you have a window for football. You're trying to get back to football, and I get that. I 100% understand why it's important for the financial 
well-being, really, of a lot of these athletic programs. But at the same time, um, it's a difficult dance because you're trying to juggle the health and safety and well-being of the student-athletes and the fans. And at the same time, the reality is that college athletics is a business. This isn't an extracurricular activity. There is money involved, and you're trying to do this as safely as possible and still keep your athletic department viable as far as money is concerned. I think we're going to get to that point where either we're going to go to all conference games only, playing just conference games, or we might get to that point where we're not even playing college football. And spring is still on the board. That is a viable option in the minds of many athletic directors and maybe presidents as well. Maybe we're not playing on August 29th. Maybe we're playing, what, in February, March? Playing those games later on? Maybe you have a condensed season. Do you do March and April, maybe? I know that would kind of be a crazy turnaround because then you have to turn right back around and get ready for the next season. But that could be a viable option. And you could go to the non-conference schedule only. Now, I hate this for Marshall on one one level because Pittsburgh and Boise State, if you miss out on those games, those are pretty nice games to have. If this was a a season where we didn't have COVID-19 this would be a fantastic year for Marshall because you got the East Carolina game, which is special for a lot of Herd fans, and East Carolina because this is a game that was going to be featured prominently to start a college football. Also, it would help memorialize, remember the plane crash victims since East Carolina and Marshall have a tie and connection in regards to that unfortunate night. Pittsburgh coming in. That would have been a great game. It makes sense. Marshall-Pittsburgh should play each other more. The game makes sense from a regional standpoint. I mean, It's not going to ever be WVU-Pitt, and I don't think anyone thinks it's going to be or assumes it's going to be, but that's a nice game to have. You should play Pitt when you can. Uh, Ohio, of course, I enjoy playing Ohio. It's, it's one of my favorite games. It's not the rivalry, but it's a fun one. It is a rivalry. And then you have Boise State. And that's a good game for Marshall to have. Boise State coming in. I mean, Boise State at one time was trying to be Marshall and beyond. And now Boise State has successfully made that transition and has gone beyond. And Marshall is coming back trying to be Marshall of old and maybe go beyond. And so you should be playing Boise State. But those games are in jeopardy. And I get that. That that hurts at one level. It hurts a lot of Hurt fans because it, you're disappointed. And I completely get that disappointment. But at the same time, um, I don't think we're going to get there. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'm happily wrong. But right now, you look at the science, you look at the numbers, you look at everything that is going on, we're running out of time. We're completely running out of time. And we've got these guidelines today from the NCAA, and we also have the Power 5 guidelines as well. And we don't know what's going to happen as far as the other sports are going on. I mean, we might get hockey in. We might get baseball in. We might get the NBA in. We might get those things in as more sports leagues are, are trying to come back and soccer is uh, and NASCAR let some fans in. So we're trying to do these things, and these are going to be important data points. But at the end of the day, football is going to be the most difficult because the just the volume of fans, the volume of contact, the volume of participants – And that's the challenge here. 
Do you just move this thing this spring? Do you take a year off and come back stronger? What do you do? We'll go over those Power Five conference. Uh, they've got uh, a uniform, universal minimum standard, testing standard. So the Power Five conferences are getting together, talking to one another, talking to uh, member institutions. They're all trying to figure this out. We'll, we'll talk about that, and we'll also look at some of the other leagues, what they're doing. We've got, we've got a lot to get into. Let's just be honest. We, we've got a lot to try to break down, and we'll do it when we continue with today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255 to be a part of today's edition here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Power 5 conferences uh, will um, be uh, operating under uh, universal minimum COVID-19 testing standards for fall sports. Here's what they say. College football players who test positive for COVID-19 this fall will be required to miss at least 10 days of competition. And that number is even higher, a full two weeks, for those who are found to have had contact with a person who tested positive. So, so far, we're in line with what the NCAA is, uh, is suggesting as well. Uh, these requirements are part of a medical document the Power Five conferences have drafted to add uniformity to virus testing protocols and response procedures. Uh, Sports Illustrated got a copy of the document. It's not final, but... Um, it seems that the Power Five and the NCAA are working together to uh, put these standards, these, uh, again, universal minimum testing standards. So pretty sure if the Power Five and the NCAA are on the same page, the other conferences are going to have similar, if not identical, guidelines as well. College teams in the Power Five required to test football players within 72 hours of games using the standard PCR test. Game officials in football and basketball should also be tested weekly because of their close contact with athletes. That's another question. That's something we really haven't talked about, the officials. I don't think we've mentioned the officials at all. They're going to have to be tested so often because you just don't have – you're not quarantining your officials in the same bubble with college athletes. You're not doing it. I mean, they come in. It's like a third entity. You have the home team, the visiting team, and the officials. The the officials are pretty much a third entity. And let's talk about that as well. You have also all of your game day personnel, all your ops personnel. I mean, we're talking a sideline crew. We're talking the chain crew. I mean, we're talking everybody that's involved in game day operation that will have close contact with, I mean, are we going to have like sideline reporters allowed? No. Man, throw that out. No media there either. Probably not. And what's that going to do for those fans that like to hang out on the sideline? You know, the, the special fans that uh, get the uh, get the super pass at all colleges, and uh, you, you don't see that at the NFL level. But in colleges, you want to take care of your of your good donor. You really want to take care of your good donors because they're they're putting up the cash. They're putting up the real money to to help keep this thing going. So. You throw them a little pass now and then on the sideline. They're appreciative of it. Makes them feel special. Put them, uh, you know, somewhere where you really can't get to. And you know, you're going to have to maybe eliminate that now. There's so much more testing going on here. But we might not even have that. 
we might just have bare minimum skeleton crews to operate these games, the players, the officials. There might be minimum to no fans in the stadium. We don't know yet. But that's what the Power Five's coming up with. And then the AAC, which I guess the Five didn't get the memo that it's Power Six. Not Five. I don't think the um, I don't think they got the memo. Where's Doug Smock when I need him? The Power Six comment. American Athletic Conference issuing a statement that um, they, um, they continue to monitor the global COVID-19 pandemic and um, basically trying to uh, figure out how they're going to do this. Um, they have also established their pre-competition testing protocols. And uh, here it is again. Their statement, 72 hours prior to each competition. Um, the protocols will apply throughout the regular and bowl seasons. And uh, there might be some more details coming out soon, but they're just basically uh, putting this out right now. And uh, in addition, they're finalizing Olympic sports testing and operation protocols as well. So everyone's starting to come out with their guidelines and protocols. We haven't heard anything from the conference uh, yet, Conference USA. I'm sure that's incoming, or we're going to see something sooner than later. I would hope we would hear something sooner than later uh, from Conference USA, as you haven't heard much, really. You haven't seen too much come out from Conference USA as far as what the operating procedures will be, what the guidelines will be. Maybe the league is finalizing what they want to do. Maybe the league is waiting, trying to figure out what – it wants to do as far as the Olympic sports are concerned, you know, when you can resume those or you know, when you, know, you can play your, your football games, if they're going to go the route of conference only or will they be one of the outliers and, and go full into the college football season unless told otherwise. Uh, if they lose games as a league, will the member institutions try to pick games up? I mean, that's a question. It's too soon to ask that question because – you don't have to ask it yet, but I would ask if Marshall would lose a Boise State or a Pittsburgh or an East Carolina on the schedule and Conference USA allows non-conference games and Marshall feels comfortable in trying to schedule a, a non-conference game, well, I guess that would answer his question. If Marshall would feel comfortable in trying to get a replacement game, would the university go that way? And I think it's going to be a conference decision, but... If the conference comes out and says, oh, well, we're going to allow non-conference games and then you don't have any cancellations, well, the schedule is intact. If you do, because of other conferences, Mid-American Conference can come up and say, no, we're going to go conference only. So you scratch Ohio game. Pittsburgh, ACC, you can lose that game as well. I, again, I don't know if Boise's making the road trip. I don't know. I'm going to say, until further notice, the schedule is intact. But I'm not sure. But, again, I'm not privy to what's happening behind closed doors when it comes to these conversations. And and that's probably by design, folks, because, again, I can speculate. I can comment. I can, I can make all kinds of assertions until you hear it from Conference USA or Mike Hamrick. Uh, it don't matter what I say. It ain't true. Until you hear it from him, it ain't true, and I will, I will, I will gladly stand by that stance until uh, we find out more. So, until then, uh, I just, uh, I just have what I know, and right now it seems like seventy-two hours is going to be the guideline for all of these 
leagues, I'm going to assume, I think it's safe to say that's going to be the minimum for Marshall as well. Uh, you're going to have to. If you're going to try to do this, you're going to have to have these uniform standard guidelines that everyone can agree on because you're trusting that the other school is adhering to these guidelines as well. There's not a single athletic program that wants to intentionally put at risk its student-athletes or another institution's student-athletes. So I think we can confidently say, I don't think we have to worry about anything from that standpoint, but you got to make sure that everyone's up to the same spec. Everyone's up on the same level. But the Mid-American Conference, you know, suspending or postponing fall sports, the MEAC, the MEAC came out today and also said that it's going to suspend fall sports season due to COVID-19. So the league is going to suspend all sports competitions, championship and non-championship segments for the 2020 fall season as a result of the pandemic. There hasn't been a decision yet made, but one will be incoming. Whether fall sports schedules will be moved to the 2021 spring semester. The conference currently plans to proceed with winter sport competitions as scheduled unless health and medical professionals advise otherwise. So we'll find out more what's happening there. That's a blow. The MEAC looking at this and saying, it's better we just don't do it. We'll, we'll look at the schedule later. And that's a blow to them and their budget and their athletics. I mean, it's a, that's a major blow. And then you have the Horizon. The Horizon comes out and decided to delay the start of fall competition for all sports, championship and non-championship, with the understanding that if competition occurs, it will not begin before October 1st. The statement from the league, the decision allows each campus to further focus on ensuring return to competition protocols, uphold the council's principle of safety, and can be reasonably implemented. You're going to have to be really flexible here. Uh, delaying competition for them, um, they mean exhibition, league and non-league contest, in all sports. Um, decisions related to training and practice going to be left to member discretion. So if you're in the horizon, your um, individual uh, school institution is going to make those decisions. Uh, rescheduling of non-conference contests impacted by the postponed start of the fall season also determined by each school. And then the Big East comes out and says that here's what they're going to do. Fall sports schedules will not include any non-conference competition. So the Big East is going that route of non-conference competition. You don't know um, what's going to happen here across the board for them, but you don't know if you're going to have Big East conference games or not. They're not making that decision yet, they're saying. So Big East can push this back a little bit because, well, where's the football? It's the Big East. It's a basketball league. So their big concern is basketball. So they can, they can push the fall sports back a little bit and go into conference mode only with the Big East. And then the West Coast Conference, and it's starting to pile up here. Again, that's why we haven't heard anything from Conference USA yet. Maybe we will. But the 
West Coast Conference, their president's council, going to delay the beginning of fall competition in all conference sports. They're not going to they're not going to participate prior to September 24th. Hope you're keeping track of this at home, and hopefully we have a spreadsheet um, being kept in the studio as well, because it's going to be interesting to, to, to look at this. Just write it all down and look at it and see how this is going to impact college athletics. But the West Coast Conference, baseball, beach volleyball, men's and women's golf, women's rowing, softball, and men's and women's tennis, which hold their traditional seasons in the spring. Also not participating in fall competition. So everything that they've got coming up right now, except for men's and women's basketball competition, uh, that's scheduled to begin November 10th, not impacted by this decision. Um, If there are conference members who have sports going on, like Brigham Young, BYU, uh, San Diego, football, not impacted because West Coast Conference doesn't sponsor those. So that's where we're at there with all of that. And we're trying to keep track of all of this. Um, and here's um, one more that you want to keep an eye on. Um, the Western Athletic Conference postponed the start of the fall season no earlier than September 15th for women's soccer, September 21st for women's volleyball, and September 23rd for men's soccer. That's where we're at right now. These are all coming out today. Various ways that the leagues are going to handle the competition. I mean, I I really believe we're going to get to that point where it's just going to come right down to a situation in which either leagues are going to play conference games only or we're not going to see sports for a few more months. 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. More coming up on The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to today's edition of The Drive, presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan, Spencer Dupuis, our producer this afternoon. And I was joking earlier in the show that I got this text from Spencer almost at 3 a.m. Uh, it was closer to uh, 2.30, uh, to be fair. But um, what I thought was going to be something that we could just have some fun with here, because uh, you sent me a text this morning, and, and you don't mind me sharing, that there was a huge report coming in the Washington Post in the morning about Dan Snyder and the Washington football team. Um, we find out later on, this afternoon that the attorneys were hired to do a, a, a revamp and not knowing what it is, there was sort of a cat and mouse game going on, but we now find out this is news that's breaking here uh, within the hour. And I'm, I'm reading just the basics alone. Spencer, you've been following this a little bit more. Um, this is not fun at all. Now that this has come out, uh, if any of this is accurate and, you go on the assumption that 
uh, if an accuser comes out, you you listen. Um, this could be pretty damning for the entire uh, Washington football ownership, or at least the the organization. Yeah, it could. And there was speculation over the weekend. Everybody knew that something was coming this week. People in the D.C. media were just speaking about the, the name change, which came out Monday morning that they were going to, after a thorough review, retire the nickname Redskins and the logo. Well, a bunch of reporters kept teasing and teasing that there's big disturbing news. And then last night, rumors were flying all over Twitter and today after it was reported to come out this morning, 15 women accused then-Redskins employees of sexual harassment, and three of them were just fired the other day. And one of them being longtime play-by-play radio voice Larry Michael, which is obviously disturbing as somebody going into this profession for me. And um, there are multiple reports, and one big thing is that a lot of them could not come out and say it as themselves because the Redskins would not let them out of non-disclosure agreements when the Post requested them. And many people thought there was always rumors coming out that Bruce Allen had something on, former GM had something on Dan Snyder. And in this article, the one woman that came out that did not have a non-disclosure agreement, Emily Applegate, who worked for the team for just about two years starting in 2014, said she would assume that Bruce knew that quote she would assume Bruce knew because he sat 30 feet away from her saw her sobbing at her desk several times a week he did not reply to the any any interview request but this is a lengthy article I've not had time to actually read it all but this is crazy so everything that is a worst case scenario might be coming true here for Washington as more of these details come out yeah, very much so. And there was all there was a article posted in the New York Times a few years ago about Redskins cheerleaders brought to Costa Rica for a swimsuit calendar shoot, and they were doing more than just shooting in swimsuits. And that was that kind of just went away after a while, but now it's resurfaced in this as well. And the Redskins have hired their own attorney to go over the best practices within or the culture within an organization. Uh, Beth Wilkinson, and she's been on several high-caliber political cases uh, throughout the country. And another one of these things is people thought a couple weeks ago when the minority owners came out saying they were thinking about selling, it was because of this, not because of just the name. Washington Redskins, or the team formerly known as Washington Redskins, uh, it just um, it gets worse and worse with this entire story, um, and there was no idea. Was there any indication that this this is what this was? Uh, I would say not until yesterday. People in the DC media said we're tweeting Sunday night. Right, this is going to be a big week. But we've seen that before. Name, yeah. yeah, we've seen that kind of. And if Tom comes out to be really nothing, they're just more sensationalized. Um, you know, hyping of a story coming up here. Nothing of real substance, we've seen that kind of uh, approach before. Hey, I know what's going on, but I can't say. Uh, this is completely different. Yeah, I would say it's more within the last 18 to 24 hours that everything really started to come out, which was why this was not released in the morning, because they got word that the Redskins were hiring an attorney, so they wanted to go through it one more time. 
make sure that people that were not given the that were not released out of their NDAs were not mentioned in the story because that could be trouble for the post. Spencer Dupuy, uh, a story I'm sure we'll be following with the uh, Washington Post and, of course, the um, Washington Football Club. Um, this is almost a PR nightmare for the um, for the NFL. Uh, the name change was a good start in the right direction, but it feels like it's completely fallen the other direction. It's it's backslid since that announcement which was supposed to be a good thing for the NFL and the Washington Football Club to have an understanding that, okay, we're, we're making the change here, but it feels like there's going to have to be more changes with that organization, not just a logo change and a name change. Uh, there might have to be a complete organizational overhaul. Uh, there could be a change in ownership eventually if it um, is one of those situations where the culture is top-bottom driven. From the top of the organization all the way down to the bottom, if it's um, if it's a leadership issue, so uh, lots of issues coming up there with the Washington Redskins. Again, um, you know, just looking at the surface of, of this um, for the um, accusations that are coming out, um, it's I don't want to say sickening because uh, I don't think that encompasses what it, it feels like right now. I mean, it, that's not strong enough a word. So there you have that. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that story as uh, we come back tomorrow. Of course, um, Washington, one of the uh, football teams in the area that we kind of keep an eye on, along with Pittsburgh to some degree, Cleveland, and, of course, uh, Baltimore and the Bengals. So um, some of those teams uh, we kind of follow a little bit more closely than others. Um, that's uh, what's coming out, and that will be breaking a little bit more as um, it seems at the end of window on social media. Uh, is more justified than initially thought. Uh, again, you, you see these things and you think, okay, um, something big is going to happen and it, it doesn't turn out to be much, but this could be something uh, that is um, truly um, going to be having a long-term impact. Uh, there might be some serious top-to-bottom examinations of all NFL franchises. This might prompt that. Uh, there could be a... a and it might be necessary. You know, it might not be one of those where it's just isolated to Washington. And that's not to say that it's uh, absolving Washington because other organizations might be guilty and we just don't know. But uh, this is going to, I'm sure, lead to some serious examination of top-to-bottom operations in these NFL organizations and these franchises because uh, this is some pretty damning behavior that we're getting the initial reports on. And, of course, uh, everyone's lawyer, getting the lawyers and lawyering up to, um, to try to go down uh, what's going to probably be a, um, a long, protracted situation. And that's going to do it for this edition. Uh, for Spencer Dupuy, I'm Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Back tomorrow, and if uh, you miss any part of the program, don't forget, you can always go back and listen on our podcast. We post daily. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.